0: Oh, mm-hmm. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Double X Archery. If you know me, I've got two big hobbies. One of them is soccer, which is why I talk to you week in and week out into this microphone. And the other is hunting. And recently, a place that I'm familiar with and love dearly, Double X Archery, has upgraded to a larger facility here in Leesburg, Virginia, where they host a number of services in their 5,500 square foot facility. Whether you need to have a bow tuned, get some walk-in range time, or are just interested in taking some archery lessons and learning about how to shoot a bow, then this is the place for you. Mike and Tony are extremely friendly and knowledgeable and can help you with your archery needs no matter your skill level. So stop by, check them out in Leesburg Plaza at the old Pier 1 Imports building. Check them out today. Alright, hey there folks, welcome to another episode of the Next In Line Podcast brought to you by the RFK Refugees Sports Network. Uh, this is coming off of a two-game spread over the course of a couple weeks, of the, the back end of a bye week. Um, so I'm coming at you recording on the 3rd of August, got a, got a handful of days before our next match, we're going to be taking a break this weekend, won't be playing, we're going to watch the rest of the USL Championship play, and that's not a big deal, um, that's good stuff. Um... Just a quick note uh, before we get into this, I want to just give a shout out to Loud and Stampede, who's doing multiple different uh, fundraisers right now, and uh, give a, give them a quick plug about their. Uh, united against cancer shirt which uh, all profits to that shirt are going to the susan g komen breast cancer foundation if you haven't heard about this check out the Loudon stampede on social media or go to loudonstampede.org online and go to their store there's a whole section about the united against cancer shirt which has a really cool outline of loudon county and the words united built into that as well as some pins uh, that are are really really cool, so check those out today. Um, so jumping right into the the match spread of, of recent matches. So we had a game against Miami, and I had called this a must win game. You know, kind of get get Loudon's season back on track. At the time, we had twelve or thirteen games left in the season, um, twelve I think, and uh, it was a must win. And uh, spoiler alert, we did not win it. Uh, it does not mean that we're mathematically eliminated. But the road is only going to get more and more narrow and more and more steep. As a little, I don't know, uh, imagine yourself on a, a small little trail trying to traverse a mountain right now. Um, it, it is getting it's getting very bleak. I think for Loudon fans as we watch the rest of the pack uh, pull away or solidify positions on the table. Right now we are sitting at 11th on the table, so we're not in 12th. We're not in the last. Um, but it's a really, really a sad time because this was the season where we had the best chance, just mathematically speaking. We're eight out of 12 teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, and in the Eastern Conference, that wasn't super strong, not certainly as strong as the Western Conference right now, as it seemed. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, an Eastern Conference, that, that we thought, you know, we, we started off strong in, um, but there's continued to just lose key components to the team, uh, starting with Kasao Samake. Which is a huge bummer. Um, quick shout out to him. Uh, I don't know what DC United's deal is. Uh, it sounds like they just brought in a new left back, Eric Davis, a Panamanian, uh, Panamanian um, international. So I, I don't know. I don't think that we are eligible to to take Casal Samake back on loan. I don't think you can do multiple loans. I'm not sure how these small term, lo- short term loans work though. So we'll see. Um, but back to Miami. Yeah, you know, we we lost Jack Jackson Hopkins as well. Back to DC United. Uh, these these little, you know, loans are, are getting more and more tedious, more frustrating, I think. I, I get why D.C. United wants the depth as they go into the League's Cup. League, yeah, League's Cup. I don't know. What this uh, it's, it's a really interesting cup as, as we take on play, uh, teams across CONCACAF, uh, we, D.C. United does. Um, but it was really bad timing for us. Jackson Hopkins has been playing really well and has been a huge component to our attack. Um, so, you know... Losing him at this time is, is just tough. Uh, Jace Clark had an a excellent performance off the bench. Uh, he got um, the man of the match nod for our team, obviously not for the match as uh, so we lost 2-1, to one. Um, but he did a lot more in his uh, less than a half of, of time. He had a lot more than just the brilliant off-the-line save that should have been the USL Championship save of the week, but it wasn't um, absolutely wonderful stuff. So Jace Clark... Uh, and and that's all we'll talk about Miami. Miami that that should have been that was a game we needed to win at home. We beat them away and we needed to win it and it, we didn't. Um <clears throat> and it wasn't for the lack of a of a good lineup, you know, losing Giannis Learman for that match because of uh his suspension uh, wasn't great either. Not great timing. But um moving on, so we then hosted Memphis 901 FC who is uh, I would argue a powerhouse in the Eastern Conference. Year after year they consistently are in the top 2, 3 or 4. Um, spot. I think they're sitting right around the four spot when we played them this year. We played them week one and thrashed them. Um, let them kind of come back in the game as, as we got a little uh, relaxed in the second half. But, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, it, we absolutely beat them down. But then, uh, obviously, they had a, a, a really, really good run of form and climbed their way up the table uh, in, in the way that we fell down the table in, in the midseason season chunk of right, recency and, and then they had a couple of bad games uh, in, in a few weeks and so I, I would I would argue that they look at this Loudon match as a part of that uh, this bad run of form um, result was uh, a nil-nil tie but I think that the big takeaway wasn't was number one formations, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, was the the wonderful uh, matinee kickoff? I think that the it was it was a better crowd than I think I thought we would have had at 11 a.m. Um, kickoff, and, and there's a number of reasons why. Uh, field has got a ton of fixtures going on right now, but it, it was just a really cool thing. It was cool to see so many camp kids and their camp shirts. Uh, dressed up uh, you know just littering all over not not littering with with litter but l- like littering covering the stadium in, in their in their, their shirts and all the different colors uh, shirts there was green shirts and yellow shirts and blue shirts everywhere it was just a fun time um so yeah and I think that there were mimosas as well being served if you were in one of the the boots and one of the boxes I, I don't know if the liquor license is permitted it outside of that but I, I'm sure that there were Canned ones. I did not partake in 11 a.m. Um, alcoholic beverage um, on a Wednesday. Uh, so formation was a bit odd. And, you know, Jace Clark, obviously, is man of the match performance uh, for for the next in line podcast, the man of the match uh, performance against Miami, earned him a start. Uh, and uh, this time it was kind of that right back. He was kind of searching up and down that right side of the field in a fullback role. Um. It looked like we were going to line up with a, a back three because Cole Turner was out there, but he ended up playing in a holding midfielder role, but really played some, some searching balls forward and, and, and even uh, lingered forward a good bit. I, I know that Cole Turner was traditionally more of a of a holding midfielder, but we deployed him at center back uh, exclusively in the beginning of the season it's like almost as if he's gone back to mid since um you know we we've, we've got some issues at midfield since since he's come back from injury so that's cool to see and um Aiden Rocha who i believe had traditionally played at some times in in collegiate career at right back i thought he was going to take that right back spot but he was actually playing left back for the entirety of the game and Probably his best performance of the season, at least in a defensive uh, role. I would say he he made um, he made an argument for getting uh, the next in line man of the match award, but uh, it w- didn't go to him. Um, no, no, Tommy or Khalil up top to start. Which kind of meant we were a bit flat in our attack. All of our attacking opportunities kind of came through long balls to to Zane over the top on the right wing in hopes to to find Zach Ryan in space. And Zach Ryan continues to get the ball in dangerous positions, but just cannot find the space once he has it to to take meaningful shots. It's it's really really unfortunate to watch, especially when you're right there behind goal um, and you can kind of see the the close. Everybody closes down on him and it and it just doesn't doesn't pan out. Um, I think having him and Tommy on the field at the same time, at least, you know, defenders have to kind of factor Tommy into their decision making, but uh, not having anybody else out there who really makes that threat inside the the, the final third, uh, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't great. Um, he also had a really, really close free kick, almost too close, right outside the 18, and it was just smacked right into the wall. You know, you kind of hope at least you get over the wall and, and beat the wall, and then um, you know, hopefully you can get it on frame, but I'd almost rather it be a few feet over the goal than straight into the stomachs of the wall. Um second half of the game was all Memphis. They were pretty dominant. Um other than the last ten minutes or so, it's like we're where and finally started to play like they, they wanted three points. Jake Morris went down pretty early in the first half. Uh, you know, he's on that um, you know, play him until you break him contract, you know, loan contract. Columbus wants him to get minutes. They want to see if this homegrown contract they have with him is, is worth uh, renewing. And so they're going to, they're going to, they they want us to be playing him and we want to play him because he's been playing very, very well. Um, but he went down injured um, and then was limping for a good bit uh, and stayed out there. But uh, that forced Ryan Martin's hand to make an early substitute and uh didn't make any subs i believe at halftime but made a few right after halftime so right up you know back up against the wall immediately on the amount of players he could have out there and the amount of subs he could use so that was was unfortunate because there's only a certain amount of sub windows you get you get three um i believe of out of five subs and and one of them i guess it doesn't include the, the halftime sub so um yeah, we, we had uh, we had a little bit of a push in the end there, but it wasn't enough, and the game ended nil nil. So um, where are things in the Eastern Conference? Not good is where they are. Um, being able to nab a point and uh, kind of helped us in in that race for eighth. You know, right now it's a four point spread between eighth and where we are, which sounds great, right? That's just a game and some in some uh, change between us and whoever sits at eighth. Um, and I'll tell you who sits at eighth. Uh, it's Indy Eleven. But the thing is that Indy 11 has three games in hand right now, so that's a potential of nine points for you mathematicians out there. Um, They have three games in hand on us, and it would take a pretty large, I wouldn't call it monumental amount of failure, but it would take a large amount of failure for them to lose their playoff spot at this time, or their position, at least to us. Um, You know, Eastern Conference is shaking up a real good bit right now. You got a lot of Good talented players who are, who are being added to rosters. <clears throat> You'd hope that Loudon is able to do the same and to provide um, some more attacking options and um, and, and solidify maybe a, a chance to make a run behind us in twelfth. Hartford just added uh, Cuban international defender Modesto Mendez. Uh, he came. He's coming from Inter Miami CF uh, Two, which is their Inter Miami's MLS Next Pro uh, roster side. Um, and then Tulsa, <clears throat> who's sitting at seventh and, and not far above Indy in any way in, in any way you shake the stick, but he is uh, also, excuse me, Tulsa has also added to their roster uh, in, in acquiring left back Patrick Segrist from Colorado Switchbacks. Um, he recently had a great outing versus Miami FC with two assists on the night. Um, so yeah, definitely it, it, it's... It's 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 tough to see that the teams who are all around us on the table getting stronger, um, you know, getting depth, um, and it, it's it's just bleak for for Loudon's playoffs hopes. Um, <clears throat> in between us and that 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 coveted eighth place spot are Detroit City FC and Miami FC, both above us in ninth and tenth, and have one or two games in hand on us as well. Again. It's not looking great. We've played the most games in the Eastern Conference. Um, got 10 matches left in the USL Championship 2023 season. Um, we got to start notching W's. We got to start uh, rooting for other teams to lose. And that begins this weekend as uh, we don't play and all of our neighbors, uh, we're hoping that they are able to tank. Um so it's tough, you know. I gotta remind folks don't don't give up hope though, because if you think back to twenty nineteen, we were out of mathematically out of the the playoff race, and then we had this crazy run of form where we started winning games left and right. That happened on the back of a huge uh, striker signing, you know, Aloninador. But you know, it maybe maybe he, we are that one striking option piece, that one one player, you know, one midfield player. Uh, piece away from making a run for this and and really giving an eighth place a you know a run for its money. Um, next up, we got our West Coast tour. We got two away matches on the West Coast, starting off at a tough San Diego loyal team. San Diego loyal is kind of the Detroit. Uh, excuse me. Is kind of the Memphis 901 FC of the Western Conference. They are in fourth place, I believe, overall. And they have. But the only difference is that Memphis has had a tough run of the last few matches, whereas San Diego Loyal's won all of their last three matches. They tied uh, their a uh, match before that, and they have not lost a single match since mid or late June. Um, Evan Conway has been lighting up things, uh, and and Tumo Moshabane also has has been his assist man in recent. They've been just tearing things up. Uh, look for names like Joe Corona to, to make big plays in the midfield. He's kind of a holding midfielder, but is is definitely able to, to find and provide attacking options by sending ball over the defense. Um, and then also former DC United winger Adrian Perez. He uh, is, is going to be able to provide some firepower to their attack uh, as well. Um, and then we've got after San Diego Loyal continuing on the West Coast Tour. we got an away match against Las Vegas and this is what you want. Um, you know, San Diego would be great to get a point. I don't know; it's going to be tough. Um, we haven't performed well on the road. You know, we're not performing well at home. But um, if we can get a point there, that, that's about as good as I think we can do. You know, to steal three there would be a, a huge upset, and I'd love it. I'd be a fan of that. But Las Vegas is—we're <laughs> going to go. I'm going to use this term again. It's a must-win. It is. They are arguably the worst team in the league. They are not adding players right now. They are not strong. They um their leading goal scorer has I think four goals this is not um they are the weakest team at least when you consider points Uh, I I think that they do have wins I think they have 11 points on the on the on the the league this is a must win this is not a that you cannot take a point um you you cannot give up any points this is a must win even away um the boys have got to dig down deep and, and find uh something to to work in so um that's it. That's it on and, uh, and stuff. I'm gonna do two last segments, and the first is a little special segment to uh, to cap off the the, the f- finishing of the Women's World Cup group stage this morning, um, and, and talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, first off, I, I want to just say the underperformers of the tournament. Uh, you have to mention the United States, you know, kind of playing flat and, and lacking some real creativity. Um, something that the USA has had issues with in the past early on in, in big major tournaments. So you kind of hope that they they're able to, to shake it off. I think they play Sweden next, um, which is not going to be easy. I, I've got them pretty high up on, on my power rankings. Um but uh, yeah, you know, you'd also hope that Canada could have edged through, uh, but personally, I had Nigeria taking that number two spot in Group B. so um, no, no huge surprises with, with Canada. I wouldn't call them a, a technically an underperformer in a tough group that they had. Um, and then the, the biggest underperformer everybody is probably talking about is, is a team that had high hopes and, and maybe were one of the favorites to, to win the whole tournament. Germany not making it out of the group stage um, had just a really, really bad run in, in Group H, even though they started off with a massive 6-0 win over Morocco to open the campaign. Um a quick note and mention of big teams and surprises. Japan is just back to their winning ways. They took all nine points in their group stage. Um, it, you know, if you remember, you know, a decade ago, it was. It felt like it was always in in uh, you know Olympics or in the World Cup matches. It was always the final between the U.S. and Japan. Um, but they really didn't have very hard competition. I believe uh, Zambia, Costa Rica, and um, Spain. Um, and, and Spain is is not a super super strong side this go round. Um, England, I'd say, is the out-and-out favorite. I got a lot of folks who listen to this podcast and are going to be very happy uh, to hear that. Um, shout out to the Huddleston's, but um, they are, I would say, the out-and-out favorite in my book to win this thing. The, the Haiti match was really their only stumble, but it wasn't. It still was a win. It was just a, a one 0 win. Um, I think they played uh, Denmark as well, and it was a one 0 win. And, and then after that, they're just uh, you know off to the races. Um, Netherlands have been really good, and I probably going to get some flack for this but i think they deserved that top spot in group b e, uh, over uh, group e over uh, the united states um france kind of seemed shaky at first when they they had a, a draw or a tie i believe to jamaica but once we realized who jamaica was jamaica is is, is just amazing to watch uh knocking out brazil uh in, in their group that's just great stuff so excited to see them um uh, Sweden did what Sweden has done in years past and they comfortably dispatched their group uh, and, and were rewarded uh, with a match against the United States who are the favorites for the tournament so that's tough um and then and then it was really cool to watch South Africa kind of sneak over the line over Italy who who just really now never found their footing um don't you know if you're a, a, a fan of of the Italy side do not watch that that match against uh you know it was, it was essentially Italy versus it was it was Italy versus South Africa for that number two spot and um, it all started really rough when Italy had the one of the worst own goals of, of World Cup history. Uh, so a quick rundown of my power rankings as I have them. Um, I've got England number one, Sweden number two, Netherlands number three, Japan number four, even though they got nine points, I know, but they were in a weak group. And I've got Australia number five. And then in the rounding out the top ten, uh, no one's going to love to hear how far the United States, I think, dropped from number one to, not, to nine is where I have them right now. Uh, i'm sure it won't make people happy and i'm sure the united states isn't going to get knocked out just right away but you know i just the way they're playing i've got them all the way down at nine at six i've got switzerland seven colombia eight nigeria and uh in the 10 spot uh is is probably the the biggest upset the, the the biggest giant killer right now which is jamaica um, all right. So then the final segment of this episode is going to be a, where are they now segment? And I'm going to talk about someone who's been making headlines recently. And that is left winger, Tyler Freeman. So I like to open these up and talk a little bit about where the significance Loudon United to remind everybody who he was or who this player was. So Tyler Freeman burst onto the scene, um, and was one of the bright spots for Loudon during the tough 2022 season. Uh, he's, his, if you recall you could you could tell who he was uh, from a mile away on the field because of his flashy tattoos and those flashy tattoos kind of matched uh, his his flashy play um as I, I, I guess you could say as because he, he often was just streaking around uh, the, the field and and just running laps around opposing defenses and, and created countless chances for Loudon's attack um, during his singular season with Loudon he recorded eight goals which was a team high for the season that year and an assist in overall 24 appearances. Um, the, the quick-footed winger came up through Sporting Kansas City Kansas City's Academy, woof, hard to say, which was briefly, uh, as we formerly know, Swope Park. Um, and, and he also did a, a short stint with Karlsruher SC's U19 squad in the Junior Bundesliga. Yeah, not, not sure someone can tell me how to pronounce that. Um life after Loudon. So where is he now? So um, after a great performance of Loudon, he was courted by a couple of MLS sides and landed in Nashville SC, powerhouse of the Eastern Conference, but newcomers to the MLS in the last few years. Um, as of the recording of this podcast, he is yet to get a minute in the yellow jersey this season um, and was actually loaned at early on uh, after a few matches to huntsville city fc where which is the kind of a reserve and uh plug side for nashville sc you could kind of say they're similar to loudon but instead of playing the usl championship um, they're more directly tied to nashville and they play in mls next pro league which is a smattering of uh, of two teams for mls sides as well as individually owned uh, individually uh, managed uh, professional rosters as well uh, he moved to Huntsville alongside uh, former Loudoun attacker Azad Liadi as well. Um, in 10 appearances so far this season, he's only notched one assist, which was off of a wonderful free kick. And, um, and he is playing right now in front of a regularly sold-out arena in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, he's, he's also, his big stat, I guess you could say, of success is 75% pass accuracy. Uh, by mid-June, Huntsville was sitting at the bottom of the Eastern Conference table uh, in MLS next pro, but I believe have since climbed their way to midway in the table. They're somewhere in seventh or eighth. Um, and that's out of 14. Um, but on the 29th of July, a major transfer happened. So first Nashville SC recalled Tyler Freeman from his loan in mid July, uh, from Huntsville, um, which was around the same time corresponded with when their league cup matches against Colorado Rapids and Toluca, uh, were occurring, but, He did not feature in either of those. He did not feature on the bench even. Um, He just wasn't on the game day roster. So I don't know if there's just coincidence, but uh, his loan was cut short with Huntsville. And on the 29th, Nashville agreed to loan him again to, but this time to Birmingham Legion for the remainder of the 2023 season, which 2023 USL championship season, meaning that he is playing in our conference again, um, and that's where he will probably spend the rest of this this soccer season so um you know you, we're, we're rooting for Tyler Freeman out there but uh yeah there there's your um update on tattoos Tyler so um that's all I've got for this episode thanks for to everybody who tunes in all the way to the end I always uh, give, give give my love and shout out to to those folks who, who listen to me ramble for this long um it's always a pleasure but uh otherwise i will catch you all next time and uh onward to san diego and the west coast tour out here